1962, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ in personal trust, realized that I was in need of a Savior. I did not know God, had no relationship, even though I've been in church probably every Sunday of my life till then. And uh, I realized without His grace and receiving what He did on the cross for me, I would never see heaven. I would never have eternal life. I would never know God personally. But I do. And I got to tell you, what a Savior. I know that uh, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 11, I know Newsweek did their survey, and on the front page it said Christianity is declining. That's because they've not talked to the right people. I'm here to tell you. If you know Jesus Christ, if he is your redeemer and he lives in your life, you are only growing. And I I realize that religion has come to its end. And the fact of those who have a denominational faith or religious faith are finding it to be very empty. And they are frustrated. And they are not knowing what to do. But those who have met the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, are sure of where they go when they die and care about what's happening with you today. And so we're not going away till Jesus sounds a trumpet and then we'll be gone in the blink of an eye. But until then, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is alive and well on planet earth. Today we're seeing thousands of Muslims converted around the world. Here we're seeing God do great things in various pockets of different churches. I want to tell you the glory of Easter is as much as it's ever been And even more. It is one of the greatest times to live. Because we're going to see God do amazing, glorious things in the days ahead. I can't wait. But now in John chapter 11, verse 25. I look and I realize in the journey of life, we feel disappointment, discouragement, and despair. We also face disasters, disease, and that final enemy, death. And the truth is, some days don't feel like Easter. All right? You can go ahead and say that. That's because some days just don't feel like it. But that's not what we live by. We don't live by our feelings. We live by faith. And so as we look at this, and what I want you to know about the days we face and the times ahead and what may be happening tomorrow next year, Jesus is enough to build hope and bring ultimate victory. In verse 24 and 25 of John, I want to give you the background before I read the verse. Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, and Mary and Martha uh, were certainly friends of his, and he loved them. Lazarus got sick. Word went to him that he got sick, and yet Jesus said, we're going to stay here two more days. And here's what I want you to understand what happened. I want you to go to verse 4. He had heard that Lazarus was sick, and Jesus heard and said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, watch, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, up until this time, Jesus has said, I'm here to glorify the Father. The glory is His. Now He said, I'm going to share in the glory of the Father because the Father and I are one. And He has just declared His deity. He is God in the flesh of same essence, of same eternity as God the Father is God the Son. And He just said, as God will be glorified, I'm going to be glorified because we're one in the same in the Godhead, the Holy Trinity. And so he goes on to talk about this, and Lazarus did die, and, and now Jesus said, we're going to go. It's time to go. And Thomas said, you know, don't you remember those people got mad at us? 
and they were ready to throw stones at you and ready to kill you just a couple of days ago. They haven't forgot about you. And now you want us to go back? And Jesus said, it's time to go. And I love Thomas. We give Thomas a bad rap. We kind of think that guy doubted. Thomas said to the guys, okay, let's go. We'll just go and die with him. I kind of like that guy. We're going to die. Hey, it's going to be bad, but we're going to go anyway because we're going to die with him. And so they went. As they got there, Martha came to Jesus and said, you know, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus said, Martha, your brother will rise again. She said, I know that. I know that. At the last day, the resurrection, yeah, I know that. And she didn't get it. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die ever. Do you believe this? One of the greatest passages about Christ in his, in his glory. He says, I am. Now, I want you just two things quickly. Number one, the divine declaration calls for personal faith. He said, Martha, I want you to know I am. Now, that ego me, e me, ego e me, E-G-O, E-M, E-I-M-I. It's the Greek term that's also as parallel with the term in Exodus. Here, Jesus uses the term I am, which is parallel to the term of Exodus 3.14, I am, when Moses said, who do I tell the, the, the people that sent me? Who do I say that you are? You tell them I am sent you. Because I am is the divine name of God. And in so doing, he said, I am the one true God. Now that word I am carries it in the Jew, Jewish culture mindset and, and scripture. It talks about that God is the subject only, never to be the object of happenings, events, or created beings. And also being the one only subject, he will not let a second subject uh, he will not tolerate a second subject, meaning another God. He said, I am God and God alone. There will be no other beside me. Now that's important because when Jesus said, God will be glorified and I will be glorified also, he's just said, I'm part of the same stuff of Exodus 3.14. And therefore, he is now answering the question of many of his critics of who he was. Was he a good man? Was he a good teacher? Was he a prophet from God? Did he come from above? Just, or was he a person deceiving the people? And he says, clearly, I want you to know who I am. I'm not an ambassador of God. I'm not an agent for God. I'm not a representative of God. I am God. And what I say stands the test of time. No question about it. The language, history, and culture all bear out what he meant here. As I look at this, he says, I know who I am, and I'm here to tell you that I am God, and therefore I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, there's, there's three things here that I just want you to jot down. First of all, he gave a self-revelation of his identity. He said, I am God. I'm telling you who I am. I'm going to reveal to you who I am. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 58. Then, and when he said that, the Jews picked up stones to kill him then because he claimed to be God. They understood what he said. It was their language. They didn't have a problem figuring it out. They're going, we just know what this man said. He claimed to be God. He said, I'm telling you who I am. I'm not hiding anymore. And John 8, 23, I'm from above. He answers his critics of who he is. 
He says, I'm God in the flesh. The second thing is self-declaration of his sufficiency as God. He said, I am, meaning I am God, but I am all there ever needs to be in your life. I am sufficient for whatever comes your way or whatever happens in this world or the world to come. In John 4, he says, I'm the living water, you'll never thirst again. And in John 6, he said, I'm the bread of life, you'll never hunger again. In John 8, 12, he said, I'm the light of the world, you'll never walk in the darkness. And in chapter 10 of John, he says, I am the door that brings up, that lets you into heaven. And that same chapter, he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he said, I am all you'll ever need, all you'll ever need in this life to know God. To be all you've accomplished, all they've called you to be, you'll find in me. You'll lack nothing in me. My sufficiency as God is enough. He answers a skeptic. Just what can he do? But also, there's self-proclamation of his ability as God. For he says here, Martha, I want you to know in my identity, my sufficiency, but I want you to know about my ability. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He can turn the water into wine. He can heal the sick with fever. He can feed the 5,000. He can heal the lame and forgive sin. He answers those who are seeking. I am the very source of eternal life. And apart from me, there is no life. So he says this. What a declaration. It's the declaration we march under as Christians today and followers of Christ. Because he said he was God in the flesh. Now listen to me. If, if, if. We got to come to grips with something because people got all kinds of ideas about Jesus today. And they got ideas and philosophies and various theologies. Jesus, you've got to come to grips with what he said to Martha and what he said in John 8 and John 10 and John 4 and John 6. You got to say, okay, all right, he said enough that we get the picture. Now, either Jesus was a raving lunatic that thought he was somebody he was not. Or he was a very impressive liar that could never seem to tell the truth about who he was, and he always seemed to make up that he was God. Or he really was telling the truth in a sound mind, and he was who he said he was, and that means he is Lord and King and God in the flesh. And if he is who he says he is, then it is so important how you receive him today because you can't write him off. If you say he's not a liar, good. Too much evidence says he's not a liar. Lunatic, well, what he said he would do, he did. As unbelievable as it sounded. So therefore, he must be Lord. If he is Lord, you will be held accountable for how you respond to him in this life. And you'll be judged by his evaluation. Not the preachers, not the denominations, not your family, but him. And so here's what he says. He says, so you'll know I am the resurrection life. He said, let's, let's go find out where Lazarus, take me to Lazarus. And he says, okay, but you know, he's been dead four days. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and he says, now here's what I want you to believe in. If you believe in me, you'll not die. And meaning that if death comes, I can resurrect you, but then after you have been born again, you'll never experience death, and you'll never die. You'll live forever with me. And he's calling for a personal trust. He said, Martha, do you believe this? He's calling for personal trust. 
Today it is important. A person comes to know Christ as Savior and Lord because of personal trust, not because of going to church a lot or, 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 or you know, shaking the preacher's hand or, or just kind of hanging around church and doing a lot of good stuff. No. It requires a personal trust that says, I've come to the point of realizing you're my only hope, you're my only Savior, and I want to respond to you with all my heart. It's a personal trust. It's belief. Not a head knowledge, but a complete knowledge and act of the will. Now, to, to, to tell you, say, okay, what's going to happen here? The second thing is the dynamic demonstration that creates hope. He said, let's go to the tomb. They went to the tomb. And as he's moving that way, he's weeping. And they said, oh, how he loved, how he loved Lazarus. Guys, he knew Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. He wasn't crying for Lazarus. He's going he gonna, he gonna to wake old Lazarus up. Lazarus is going to be fine. He was weeping for the pain and the grief that had already been experienced from this enemy called death. I believe he was walking to this tomb knowing in a few days he would be walking up a hill called Calvary. And his mother would feel the grief and the pain and the agony of his death. His disciples would experience the fear and the overwhelming pain of his death. He's weeping. But he's hoping they get it because he's about to show them something. This is a dynamic demonstration that creates hope because he's going to come and he's going to say, okay, let's, uh, let's roll the stone away. And people said he'd been dead four days and he smells really bad. You see, they didn't have, any, they didn't have a funeral home back then like we do today. And they, they simply would uh, take a, 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 claw, a sheet, fold in half, tuck the body in the middle, tie it on the ends and put a cover over the face. And they would put perfume to lessen the odor. There was nothing they could do. They didn't do what the Egyptians did. Egyptians mummified these. This was not practiced in Jerusalem. And so, in this area. So, what's happening now is they're saying, you don't want to move the stone. It's too late for Lazarus. Can I tell you what God showed me when I stood that? Too many times we say, you know, I believe it's too late for that person. They've been a sinner a long time. It's too late for that person. You won't believe what they've done. You know, it's too late for that person over there because they just have resisted God so many times. It's just too late, I want to tell you. I don't get to decide who's too late for God. Now, he can decide that, but I don't get to. So I need to be nominating as many people as I can. I want to tell you, he can go to the deepest, the darkest, the longest of all sins, and he can work a miracle. He can save that person we would written off our list a long time ago because of who he is. And so here's what I want you to know. He creates hope when he said, all right, move that stone. Move that stone. Lazarus is not beyond the voice and the power of Jesus. He's been dead four days. I want to talk about not only the glory in raising the dead, because that's what happened. He said, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise the dead. Lazarus, come out. And I believe it had he not said Lazarus, everybody to come out. Lazarus, because he is the resurrection. He's already said that. He said, Lazarus, you come out. I'm only talking to you. 
And sure enough, this guy began to move in the tomb. And the people are going, did you see that? Did you hear that? I think something's happening. And I want to tell you, the glory of he began to move, and, and he all of a sudden was, I, I would have loved to have seen this. This guy is, is, is tucked between a sheet, tied on corners. He's trying to walk out of the tomb. I bet that was a sight to behold. And, I, and he's got to believe he's going, man, I don't know what's going on, but I sure like it. This is good. And Jesus said, you need to loose him and let him go. Take those grave clothes off of him. He don't need him anymore. He's alive. But I want to tell you, there's also the glory in reversing the decay. This just, yeah, hey, guys, I, you know, I, I'm old deer hunter, and I, there's times I've been with guys, and sometimes a deer's been shot and had been found, and in about two or three days, you can find it. If you drive within about 100 yards, you go, what was that smell? Whoa. And then when you see it, you go, oh, no, because it's, it's, it's decomposing. <laughs> it don't look like it did three days ago. And all of a sudden, they're, they're saying, man, this guy, oh, man, what's he going to do? Everybody cover your face. And all of a sudden, he don't smell bad. And you look at him, and there's no decomposition. He is okay. He is like, hey, I'm alive. What y'all looking at? They're going, hey, you ain't going to believe what just happened. You see, there's the glory of raising the dead, and there's the glory of reversing even the decay. He provides the opportunity to move from death and the death sentence of sin and the condemnation of sin to a new kind of life that will exist forever. Man, I want to tell you, this is the glory of Easter. This story is a, this was the, the warm-up to the deal just down the road a few days. It's just a warm-up. Can I tell you something about Lazarus? That old guy never was the same after that. Can you imagine how the story he was telling in town? You ain't going to believe what happened to me. Man, I've been dead four days. Everybody told me I stunk. I couldn't tell, but they told me I did. He said, but you know, I'm alive. And he said, you know, and, and they said I look kind of bad, but hey, I, I'm fine. Look at me. I'm alive. I bet he told that story all the time. Let me tell you what's happening here. Look what at my life. And here's what I want you to know. So here's what he said. Look. The glory of Easter is an empty tomb, a risen Lord who is forever king. But let's be honest, as I said earlier, sometimes it may not feel like Easter, truthfully. This year may have not felt like Easter for a lot of people. It may have been the first Easter without your spouse, without a parent, without a child, without a best friend. Something has happened and death has come. Maybe it just didn't seem like Easter yet. Maybe you faced disease or disappointment. Uh, you certainly uh, felt discouraged. If you looked at your retirement, you're going, boy, I, I just don't know. Boy, it sure is a tough time to live. And then you read the Newsweek, and they told you that Christianity is declining. That just kind of made your day, didn't it? Oh, Lord, I don't know, if, I don't know about Easter. Truth is, Sean and I were talking about this earlier. I, this week, Vicky was in the hospital for four days, and it's a tough time. I, I, I just so much was going on in my mind, and um, sometimes I felt like I was running on empty. So was she, and 
usually I get together and I get ready. We have our routine we do for Easter week and we do stuff. And Friday night's a big night. And, and, and just we didn't get to do any of that this year. We're just kind of hanging on for the ride. Didn't get to sp- I like to spend time with the staff. Guys done such a great job today. Kevin I, and, and, and Eric, for you guys. Man, I usually like to sit around and talk with staff and get ready for Easter, get fired up, and didn't get to do that. Man, do a lot by phone and say, man, hey, thank you guys. What I can, you know. And uh, I'm glad they pray. So they pray about worship. That's why it works here. There's no doubt about that. And so I just trust in God to lead them, and they did a great job of leading them. I'm kind of Lord, I just hadn't gotten the flow yet, hadn't gotten the rhythm, been discouraged, sometimes a little scared this week. Didn't feel like Easter. You know, the sting of disappointment, despair, disease, and even death touches people Jesus loves. Just like the end today. Maybe it doesn't feel like Easter because your world is falling apart. Your heart is broken beyond description. Your emotions have dried up and your dreams have become nightmares. I don't know. The world's been turned upside down. But I want to tell you to remember the cross that demonstrated God's love and grace. Remember on a third day, he was not there. As they sang earlier, he's not here. He's gone. Just like he said he would. Demonstrating the power and glory of God. All week, the Lord did some small things for me. Lord, I'm so discouraged and so tired. On a, on a Monday, I'm supposed to go preach at a pastor's conference. And I said, Lord, I'm just so tired. And I was up till about 5 o'clock that morning and <sighs> hadn't talked to anybody much. And made a call to a friend and... Uh, just begin to cry. And, uh, he came to my rescue and prayed for me. And and then just like the Lord to do that, have somebody just there, just there at the right time. It strengthened me for the rest of the day, and Eric drove me. I said, Eric, can you drive me to preach? I, I just can't drive. And he drove me up. We had a good time, and I believe God blessed. And came back to the hospital uh, Tuesday, going to the hospital, and need to get gas. Now, when I say I need gas, you men are going to understand this. That means that it was now the needle was past empty. It was time to get gas. There wasn't no waiting. Didn't matter if I wanted to. Didn't matter if I had time. I was either going to get gas or run out. So I pulled in this gas station on the way to the hospital, and I was listening to Ergon Cantor. He was preaching, and I had a CD in, and he was getting it, son. He was preaching. He's a converted Muslim that now serves at Liberty University. Great guy. And uh, he was just talking about how Jesus worked in his life. And just, oh, it was just great. And I was being blessed. The Lord was ministering. But I still kind of had this heaviness of heart. And so I get my gas and, and uh, I open the door. I didn't want to quit hearing a sermon, so I just turned the volume up so everybody could enjoy it with me. 
And, and so, you know, and then I'm just sitting there and I'm listening. I'm pumping the gas. And I'm going, yeah, man, that's great preaching. I'm having a good time. But some, a guy pulled up behind me, uh, 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 about a middle-aged black guy, and he's getting gas. And he kind of waves it, and I wave back at him, you know. And, and, so, uh, and so, and then of all things, I gotta, they tell me I got to go get my receipt inside, which means they want you to buy something when you come in. I know what that means. And so I said, nah, I ain't got time. So I went in, and, and I got my receipt, and the, the sermon was just a blaring. And I'm going to my car, and that dear, precious black man said, Brother, have a blessed day. Hey, man, I said, you too, my brother. I hope you have a blessed day. I said, thank you, Lord. I just needed that. I just needed that. I needed that. So got in the car and went to the hospital, and Wednesday came. And so far, the Lord's given me somebody every day of the week. And so Wednesday's there, and I'm saying, Lord, you got us here for a purpose. There's got to be somebody to talk to. Somebody needs to hear about you. So, man, send them in. I'm ready. And sure enough, a housekeeper lady came in, just a sweet young black lady, and she was just doing her thing. And, and I said, i got to ask you something. What's that on your, your uh, uniform? She said, that's my angel. And I, that's what I, you know, and she was talking about that. I mean, I said, that's great. I said, let me ask you, where do you go to church? And she'd be, I go to the Missionary Baptist Church. I said, oh, that's great. Yeah, and hire them. Hey, man, that's great. And so we talked. I said, tell me, when did you give your heart to Jesus? And she began to tell me her story. And I was, we were having a good time. Vicky was in the bed, and I was over in the chair, and this woman was just, just working and talking, and, and she was getting excited. And she said, man, I got to tell you about Jesus, man. He's, he's so good to me. He takes care of me, and, and boy, he blesses me. And, and she began to talk about how he's blessed her and what things he's done for her. And, and we're just having a good time. And I said, ma'am, I want you to have a great, great day. Oh, you too. You'd be blessed today. <sighs> Guys, I want to tell you, I know my Redeemer lives because every day he's evident in my life. Not just on Sunday, but every day he's evident in my life. Every day, I hear his voice in my heart. Every day, I sense his resurrection power operating in me, regardless of my feelings, regardless of my energy level, because I am a person that has been called me to walk by faith. And if I will walk by faith, he will meet me from his sufficiency and his ability because of his identity. I know my Redeemer lives. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wait. He's always on time. He comes on the scene and he will carry me through the darkest of night because joy comes in the morning. I'm here to tell you, my Redeemer lives. The same voice that spoke the world into existence. The same voice that called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the promised land and be the father of a great nation Israel. The same voice that called to Moses from a burning bush and commissioned him to go and lead the Hebrew children out of captivity in Egypt. That same voice that said, Lazarus, come out. That same voice, one day, is going to shout. And all the dead in Christ will rise. And go to meet him in the air to the glory of God the Father. And live forever with him in a place he prepared for us before we were ever born. 
that we might spend forever with Him, basking in His glory, worshiping His majesty, living out a life with amazing purpose. I'm going to hear that shout. I'm going to be gone. If the rapture comes, it'll be the sound of a trumpet, and I believe we're all going to go to rise, meet in the air. Then Christ will rise first. There'll be a, a re, the, the glorification of the body connected with the eternal spirit and soul and forever will be with the Lord. That is the glory of Easter. Not about your checkbook. Not about your politics. Not about global warming. Not about all this other stuff. It's not about what Newsweek thinks about Christianity. It's about the risen Lord who invites you our King of kings, our Lord of lords, our glorified Savior, our first and last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Lamb of God, the resurrection, the life. Almighty Holy God invites you into His world today and into His life and into His resurrection power. Will you say yes to him? You say, Pastor, I'm just not that good. You know, I wish I could be good enough to be a believer. Oh, you don't have to be good enough to believe it. As a matter of fact, the best way to become a believer is to admit how bad you are. And that gets you in pretty quick. If you keep trying to convince God how good you are, he's saying, you ain't ready yet. You just don't know. You don't get it. But when you realize, dear God, I can't save myself. I need help. Please help me. Hosanna, help me, because I can't do it on my own any longer. I can't change my life like I need to. I can't do what I should without you. Now you're ready. Now you have that personal trust you can put in him. Would you do it today? Would you bow your heads? Heads bowed and eyes closed.